You know, uh, <clears throat> you know, we're not so hot. Did you know that? <laughs> we got plenty of problems. Of course, there are times when we uh, deliberately transgress. We just do. We just do defiantly. But there are other times when, when, we, when we're not trying to defy God, and yet we sin against him anyway. Neglect, uh, ignorance, sins of omission, you might call it. It's an inescapable reality that we fall short of the glory of God. And whether the sin, whether the infraction is with deliberate intent or whether it's by accident, it's still very serious. So God had Moses in the book of Numbers, which, which we're studying, in the wilderness it's called. God had Moses tell the people in the wilderness that though there may be gradations of sin, categories if you will, some willful some unintentional, still a sin is a sin and a sin. And God's character is so uncompromisingly holy that there really are no mitigating circumstances. You know, I didn't mean to do it, doesn't fly. Because God is just so, so uncompromisingly holy. And so God, we saw this last week, God um, instructed Moses to instruct the people that they needed to provide for sins in any category, even unintentional sins. There had to be a means of atonement, for sin is sin is sin. And this is a real problem, because let's just be honest. <clears throat> we get off track so easily. <laughs> Again, sometimes we don't wake up in the morning saying, today I'm going to wander from God. Today I'm going to... Um, ignore him. And yet sometimes the distractions of life, the busyness of it all, the worries of the day, who knows what, really does distract us from God. And we actually imagine this, it's true, forget. We forget he's there. We forget what he's like. And we forget that we are his. And he's so good that he knows that and therefore wants to help us remember. And so he has given in the Bible an array of, um, let's call them devices, memory devices, by which even in the midst of a day encumbered with care and distractions and stress and iPhones and iPads and I want to break already from it all. Even in a world characterized by all that, God has given a means by which we can remember. And that's what you're going to see in the text before us tonight. It's in Numbers chapter 15, beginning in verse 37. Just a few verses about a memory device that if you'd like, you could make use of. Numbers chapter 15, take a, take a look, verse 37. The Lord also spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel. Tell them they shall make for themselves tassels on the corners of their garments. Threads, like this. Tassels, threads on the corners of their garments. That's what it says right there. 
Do this throughout their generations. Tell them that they shall put on the tassel of each corner a cord of blue. One of the threads on each of the corners is to be blue. It shall be a tassel for you to look at. It's a memory device. And remember, see, all the commandments of the Lord so as to do them. And not to follow after your own heart, your own eyes, after which you played the harlot. So that you may remember to do all my commandments and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. And so in order to remember God's commandments, which we are prone to forget because of the busyness of life, if not our deliberate intent to disobey him, then just our negligence. In order to remember God's commandments, the Israelites were instructed to wear tassels on the corners of their garments. And these tassels would be visual aids, a very visual aid in reminding them to obey. As a sidelight, according to Jewish tradition, Jewish tradition, not biblical record, Jewish tradition, two different things, each of the tassels was to be made up of eight threads, so tassels on the four corners of a garment, but each tassel made of eight threads woven together, and each tassel was to have five knots. There are knots in the tassel, so you have eight threads, five knots, eight and five, 13. Remember the number 13 just for a second. Now, the Hebrew word for tassel is Tzitzit, tzitzit, it's kind of a fun word to say, would you like to say it? Tzitzit, there you go, you see, you're welcome to say it anytime you want. So tzitzit, the Hebrew word for tassel, has a numerical equivalent. Every Hebrew word has a number assigned. And if you add up the numerical equivalent of the word tzitzit for tassel, you get 600. So if you add 600 to the 13, which we already have, you get 613, right? And the rabbis say that's how many commandments from God they have identified for us in the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, but we would call it the Hebrew Scriptures, which we are to remember and obey. So you have tassels on each corner, each one made up of eight threads, each having five knots, and the word tzitzit, the numerical equivalent of 600, 613 commandments. That's what the rabbis say. Yep. Okay, look. <clears throat> Here's the point. I don't think the point is number of threads, number of knots, number of this, that, and the other thing. I think the point is to remind the Israelites that they were to live life differently than others. Simple. And that's what it says in verse 40. All this so that you may remember to do all my commandments and be holy to your God. Now, folks, these fringes originally were found, this is true of Middle Eastern culture in ancient days, not just the Jews, these fringes were found on the hem of one's garments, on the hem. They wore longer garments, and they were to attach these fringes on the hem 
of the garment. That's the way it was. And in those days, the hem of one's garment was a status symbol. I was trying to think of an equivalent today. Today, maybe the, the car you drive is a status symbol or the home you live in or the, the university you attended. I don't know. Whatever are today's uh, status symbols, the hem of one's garment then was the equivalent. And so royal ones, kingly ones, those who had high positions of authority had very ornate and elaborate, very intricately woven hems uh, on their garment to which they would attach these fringes. That's the way it was. And so there was an event that took place in the Old Testament that demonstrates the significance of the hem of one's garment. You're familiar with it. It's in 1 Samuel. David's on the run from, from whom? Saul wants to kill him. What's Saul's position at the time? He's the king. David's not the king. So David flees to a place in southern Israel called En Gedi. En Gedi. That's where he hides out. And he's there with his men in a cave. Interesting, uh, Saul shows up with his men in hot pursuit of David and, and uh, enters into the cave. Saul doesn't know David is in there. And David has every opportunity to take Saul's life. In fact, it was recommended by David's men that he do that. And David refused to do so. But instead, he cut off only a little piece of the hem of Saul's garment. And later, when this was brought to King Saul's attention, he said, now I know that you, David, will be king. There was no magic involved. He just knew, God, you are taking my kingly authority away from me, and you are going to transfer it to David, and it is symbolized by the way, he was so easily able to remove a part of the hem of my garment. You see, that was a symbol of the king's authority and the king's status, the hem of his garment. That's an Old Testament illustration of the point I'm trying to make. There's a New Testament illustration as well. It's in Matthew chapter 9, verses 20 and 21. You know of this. This poor lady was hemorrhaging for... A uh, 12 years and could find no resolution to her problem. Uh, this Yeshua was in the area and she came up, though there was a crowd, she made her way. She was so intent on contact with him. She made her way through the crowd, came up behind him and touched the fringe, the tassel, the tzitzit of his garment. She touched it, for she was saying to herself, if only I touch his garment, I will get well. Don't you see? The fringes which were then attached to the hem of one's garment, the hem of one's garment was then the status symbol, was the extension of the person's role and authority in society, and she knew this Yeshua has authority to heal. He's the healer. If only I could touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. What happened to her? She was healed. And the Lord said, be it unto you in accordance with your faith. 
her confidence in him. So can you see what I'm saying here? It's a little unusual culturally, but that's the way it was. The hem of the garment, a representation of the authority or the status or the standing of the person who was wearing it. And God, in this text, Numbers 15, in commanding the Israelites to attach these fringes to their garments is essentially saying to the Israelites, you have been given by me a new status. Wear it proudly. Display it on the hem of your garments. Whatever else may have the past been true matters not. I give you a new status. I am your God. You are my people. Display it visibly. Remember it. Let people know whose you are. You have an elevated status. You're a slave people. No more. You're children of the king. Display your new status. Of course, this is not about Israel, is it? Only. It's about you. For Israel's God has said the same thing contingent on our faith in the only begotten Son of God, the Lord Jesus. He says, you're new. If anyone is in the Lord Jesus, he is new. Wear it proudly. Don't be ashamed. Display the newness of your status in the life you lived. Walk about in the crowd, head up, shoulders back. And lift up holy hands. Be different. Whatever it is they think of you, be peculiar. For I made you to be a peculiar people. You're not supposed to be so relevant that you compromise your new status. Don't worry about relevance, worry about righteousness. You have a new status, you have right standing with me. You don't have to display it with fringes. Display it in your conduct, in the world in which you live. Come out from them. You're not supposed to be like them. And when they say, you're not like us, take it as a compliment. For I am your God. and You are my people. Be holy, for I am holy. Could you see what's at stake? Could you see what's... Display it. Put your fringes on the hem of your garments. Remember your new status. Now, folks, these fringes, though they were originally attached to the hem of one's garment, that particular practice passed out of um, a customary usage. I think you could imagine why. If the fringes are attached to the hem of your garment, what's going to happen? You're going to get dirty. People are going to step on them. You're going to trip. They're going to come off. And so what happened over time is that a new design uh, was made. It was called a talit, a talit. And the first form of the talit was that it was a rectangular garment. Think of it, piece of cloth with a hole in the center so that you could fit it over your head. So you would have half on this side, half on this side, 
and it would be kind of an undergarment. You'd wear things, clothes on top of it, and the fringes would be tied to the four corners. In some cases, the fringes, if you really wanted to show off how cool you were, they could hang out over here like this. You know what I'm talking about? Or else you can... Listen, I remember when I was a little Jewish kid. I'm still... But anyway, uh, when I was a younger Jewish kid, let me put it that way, I showed up to yeshiva. I went to yeshiva. That's the school. I went. Yeshiva is a school of religious training. We went from 8 in the morning till 5 at night. 8 until 5. Oh, my goodness. But anyway, so... Um, and we started the morning with prayer. You know, the rabbi, whoever the rabbi was, would lead us in prayer. And part of the deal was you had to have your tzitzit, your, your fringes with you, available. You know, it's just part of the prayer deal. And I would, like every Jewish kid would, every single day. We have our little tzitzit, you know, under a shirt, and you got the strings hanging out. And on this day, I don't know what possessed me. I must have been late. I forgot to put it on. So I show up here to the yeshiva, and there's a rabbi, you know, long gray beard and stuff like These are not your friends, the rabbis. These are, oh, baby. Did you go to Catholic school, anybody? Did you have a nun? They make nuns look tame. Yeah, I'm, I'm not kidding you. So anyway, uh, I don't know why I'm telling you that. It means nothing except it helps me to get it out because... Uh, it was the worst day of my entire life. I was so fearful, I thought for sure I'm going to die. The rabbi's going to kill me. I don't have my little strings on. Anyway, it was such a cool deal. Even then, God was providing for me. Somehow, he didn't notice. He was just distracted with other things, so I went scot-free and 5 o'clock, and I went home and watched American Idol. No, they didn't have... They didn't, no, no, they didn't, they didn't have... Okay, so, so th that's what happened. So it went from down here to under, and then the fashion changed even further, and it became a standalone garment worn external to the person. And here it is. It's a talit or a prayer shawl. It means a little tent. You can set up your tent, your little holy place, wherever you are, where you can commune with Almighty God. So... So uh, let me just put this on here for a second. Don't go away. You can, uh, so you can put it over your head like this, and then it's just you and God. So you just, you just remove yourself from all others. You're in your little tent. Or you can wear it over your shoulders like this. You've seen, is this crooked or what? Close enough. Okay, good. Don't tell the rabbi. We say a little prayer over it. There's writing on the collar, and we kiss it as a sign of respect. And look, we have our fringes on our talit. So this is the fashion generally uh, today that continues down to this very day based on this text, Numbers chapter uh, 15. Now, the original requirement, as you recall, was to have one blue thread among the white threads, but you noticed I have no blue threads on this one? Why? I'll tell you why. The rabbis tell us we lost the formula. We don't know the exact color, the shade of the blue, and we don't know 
where to find the blue dye anymore that would dye this the biblical blue color. And so we're permitted just to go all white. But there is a particular group of Orthodox Jews. This is a cool thing. If you ever see one, you'll know. They say they've discovered the secret missing blue dye. And so they do have some blue threads on their thing. This is what we Jews do. We've got nothing else to do. <laughs> so anyway, so let me ask you a question. You know, I just read you something from Numbers 15 about the, uh, the tassels and stuff. Shouldn't we be wearing this today? Well, the answer is uh, you're free to. And you're also free not to. Why? Because it is not the practice that is meant to endure. It's the principle behind the practice that is meant to endure. Do you recall last week I shared a passage from Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17? Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow, but the substance belongs to Christ. Would you like to see more shadow? It's this, shadow. I didn't say it's unimportant and insignificant. Good night, it's in the Bible. Shadow, but the substance belongs to Christ. The practice is wearing this garment, and I already demonstrated to you even uh, throughout the Bible the, the, the specific nature of this thing changed from down here to underneath to outside. It's not the particular practice that uh, God is too concerned about. It's the principle behind the practice, and what's the principle? It's just to remember. Remember what? Who God is and who you are. If you're his Remember to obey your God, for he is your God. So, 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 so the practice, you know what religious people do? They live for the externals. You know what relationship people do? They live for the internals. That is the difference. So for religious people, they get so lathered up about the forms by which we approach God. By the way, you don't have to be Jewish to just be into this. Baptists are notorious. Good night. In some settings, maybe in your own life, if you don't do things exactly according to the form by which you're used to it, you think it's blasphemy. You're confusing practices with principles. You see, that's a sign of a religious person. No, no, no. A relationship person is simply wanting to remember Almighty God who will never forget us. And so just to prove to you that the, there's, a, uh, from God's point of view, a de-emphasis on the practice. Let me share with you Matthew 23, verse 5. The Lord is speaking to people about another group of people. He's speaking about religious people. They're called Pharisees and Sadducees and all these people. And he makes this statement, Matthew 23, 5. They, the religious ones, do all their deeds to be noticed by men. For they broaden their phylacteries, and get this, and lengthen 
the tassels of their garments. See it? So let's see. If God told Moses to tell us in Numbers 15, Bemidbar, it's called, the Torah, to wear tassels, if I wear, like, mega-long tassels, people will really think I'm hot. See, that's what religious, you say, it isn't, that's a religious person whose heart is so far removed from Almighty God. I mean, you can wear these things a mile long if you want. You don't get any points with God. So what's important, you see, is not the practice. It's the principle behind it. The enduring principle. Oh, God, I need help remembering. I'm so focused on the news and on the traffic and on the economy and these, the, the, the next famous person who committed an act of infidelity. I'm so... I need a tassel. I need something to... Rem- and, and I'm so tempted to give myself to pleasure because I'm so disgusted and burdened by life. I deserve a break today. And at the point of temptation, I need a tassel. Don't you see? I need to remember uh, who God is, how holy he is, and how much I'm his. I, I, that's the principle. So, I mean, it says right here, verse 4, so that you may remember to do all the commandments and be holy to your God. I am the Lord. I love this, verse 41. Three times, you'll notice, it says, your God. Lord, your God. I am the Lord, your God, number one, who brought you out from the land of Egypt to be your God, second time. I am the Lord, your God, the third time. I need something to distract me from my inclination to sin, from my inclination to fear, to worry, to take care of my... I need something to break up the flow at that moment of testing and trial and temptation. I, I need to remember that you are the Lord, my, my God. So... If you want to wear tassels, that's fine. You're free to do it. I'll sell you mine. <laughs> it's up to you. You're free to do it. Not, let me tell you something. If I was in Israel, worshiping in a messianic congregation, or if I was here, trying to reach Jewish people in a Jewish community, I would be wearing this. Why? Because the Jew, I become a Jew. To the Gentile, I become a Gentile. Then I might win some. I would do it as an evangelistic strategy. But I would not do it to win God's favor because this doesn't do it. This is just the thing. This is just the external thing. It's the heart. It's the heart. It's the heart that God is, God is, God is after. And so, if not tassels on our garments as a memory device... What can we make use of? Um, I, I want to suggest something. How about the sky? Wait, don't go yet. Bear with me. How about the blue? How about the blue sky? See, the people in the text here, Numbers 15, were told to make one of these threads blue, tie it on the garment. You know why? 
Blue is a very significant color in the Bible. It's the color of nobility and royalty. Why? Because blue and or purple dye was very, very expensive. Only, only certain people, you know, the upper echelon of society could, could afford it. You see, the best quality blue or purple dye uh, would be extracted from a little tiny sea creature called the Murex snail. Isn't this good? You're not wasting your time. Man, you're learning stuff. The, <laughs> it's called the Murex snail. Now, here's the deal. It takes about 12,000 of those little critters to produce less than two grams of dye. So you see, it's, it's expensive, really, really expensive. So it's as if God is saying, you want to know something? Yeah, yeah, but even the poorest of you can afford enough just, just to color one thread, just one thread. Why? Because in my eyes, you're like royalty. You're children of the king. Wear blue tassels. But, but it's not only the color of royalty. It's the priestly color, blue. The priests, read it, blue and or purple. Read it in the Old Testament. Who's the color associated with priests. You know what God said to the Israelites? You know what God is saying to us? I'll tell you what he's saying. He's saying what he told us through, through Peter, the apostle. First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and on. But you are a chosen race. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people for God's own possession. That you might proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light for you once. We're not a people. But now you are the people of God. Tassels on the hem of your garment. Blue, new status, royal, priestly. I need a reminder to live up to my call. Not to win God's favor. No, because I, you, already have it through Christ Jesus. So what is the reminder? Okay. If you want to go around wearing this thing, have at it. I'll tell you where you can get it. Why not just get up and look up at the sky? Also blue. Why is the sky blue? I have no idea. One time I asked someone and some, a scientist over here explained gases and things. and that's, I, I, was, I was hoping he would just say, I don't know. But anyway, that's what you get for asking a question. So I don't know why the sky is blue. But maybe the sky's blue for you. <laughs> Remember, oh God, I'm looking up to you who came down. And in the process of came, coming down, you raised me up to a new status. Royalty, chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation. Oh, oh, but God, what did my father say? What did my mother say? What did my... What did you say? What's on the hem of my garment now? What's my status in your eyes? God, you know what my problem is? Failing to simply be who I already am. I am misdiagnosing the problem. I think I have so far to go. No, I don't. I'm already there. Just live it. 
live out the God-given identity, which is yours by your identification with the Lord Jesus Christ. But you are, present tense, chosen, royal, holy. Oh, you once were not a people. But now, I'll tell you who you are. You're the people of God. And so there you get the repetition of what we've seen again. I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord. I am the Lord your, your God. I need a device to remember. You need a device to remember. Look up at the blue sky. <clears throat> Even at night, look up. It's not blue. And then you say, I remember what it looks like in the day. <laughs> I know what it'll look like tomorrow. For you, transcendent deity, abased yourself, took skin on, condescended, laid hold of me <clears throat> at great excruciating cost, made me a son, no, made me a priest, no, made me nobility, no, made me royal, chose me, gave me a purpose, proclaim your excellencies to people who, like me, once were not a people. Look up at the sky. <clears throat> Raise your sights. I'll tell you what our problem is as Christians. We're letting news and present realities and the throes of life simply redirect our gaze earthward. <sighs> it ain't no fun. Colossians. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. Yeah, but, but, but I need a device to remind me to do this. Look up at the blue sky, blue. Oh, God. It's as if I have it on my tassel, on my tzitzit, on my fringe. I'm not one to wear this. It's up to you. I mean, I, I have it, you know, it's... A, I like the traditions and all the rest. But I don't want the shadow <laughs> to become the substance. I want the shadow to direct me to the substance. And the substance is the Lord Jesus Christ. And one day he'll come across the blue sky in clouds. He'll be heralded with a trumpet sound. The dead in Christ will be promoted first. And then all who are alive under this God-given blue sky will be caught up together with him to meet the Lord above the blue sky where we will dwell with him forever and ever. Look up, not down. Chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation. Remember, 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 remember. Oh, God. We forget to think about you.
to honor you, to enjoy you, to trust you, to submit to you, to surrender, to yield. Sometimes we pray before we partake of a meal and then go off and forget about the bread of life. It isn't about a prayer shawl, a garment. It's perfectly acceptable. But the real issue, oh God, is to be reminded, to be stirred up in our hearts with regard to the fact that you have laid hold of us. I am the Lord, your God. Worship no others. Bow before no others. Dethrone yourself. I'm on the throne of your life. I'm your father. I know best. I've called you unto myself. Blue, the color of royalty. Blue, of nobility. Blue, a priestly function. A priest, a priest. Special access into the holy place. Oh, God in heaven. We want our building. You know this. You've confirmed it. We're persuaded you'll give it. But we want to fill it with holiness. Lord Jesus, thank you for distinguishing us, for making us to be a peculiar people. Perish the thought that we would exchange our birthright just to fit in. No way. Remind us of the tassels on the hem of our garment and the new status by which we cry out, Abba, Father. This we pray in the name of the Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.